I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody, it's Meredith with a sidebar episode of Love Letters. And today we're going to talk about the most exciting text message I've received in a long time, which was our producer, Caitlin, texting me to tell me she had seen When Harry Met Sally for the first time. It doesn't even occur to me that people haven't seen When Harry Met Sally. And I forget that people are allowed to be younger than me and perhaps to have seen less TV than me and movies. Uh, But Caitlin... Welcome today. I'm interviewing you as the guest because you have had what I hope was a life-changing experience, maybe Listen, for better, maybe for worse. Absolutely life-changing. And also it is inexcusable that I hadn't already seen it. That's that's like a fair thing to say. I don't want to get too personal. Well, I do. But can you just sort of talk about your age and like kind of what were some big romantic movies from like your youth, teen years, like you know, developmentally at like 15 to 25, what were you like, oh, these are the the iconic romantic films of, of, you know, being a person? Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm 28. So I'm a young millennial. And um, that means that like, when I was watching my heft of romantic comedies, it was like, the Matthew McConaughey, J-Lo, Kate Hudson era like Katherine Heigl, et cetera. My sister and I also, we didn't have cable and we lived in a small town and there wasn't that much to do. So we rented from Movie Time Video, our local DVD rental, many a romantic comedy. So a couple I can think of would be 27 Dresses. Mm-hmm. That is a classic. Are we when you say jailer? Are we talking like the wedding planner? Are we talking yes. made in Manhattan? Yes, wedding planner made in Manhattan. Uh, How to lose a guy in ten days? That was a big one in our household. Also, I don't know if this like technically qualifies as a romantic comedy, but Miss Congeniality is like, in my opinion, just like a perfect movie. For sure. Um, I, you know, listen, it's its own genre, Miss Congeniality. <laughs> but it's interesting because you would have been younger than those characters. So you would, would have been looking to them as like, this is what adult love, main character love is, right? Oh my gosh. Between those movies and then like renting DVDs of like box sets of the OC and like One Tree Hill, I was like, this is what being like a teenager in like, a city slash an adult is like. So I want to talk about When Harry Met Sally because it's a movie I loved when I was growing up. Then I started to resent, yet still loved, and now I love again, but obviously has some themes that 
you know, doesn't align with the kind of advice I give and the yeah. kind of things I write in my column that don't necessarily hold up, but, but, um, is just still such a, a wonderful love story. And, and to me very much made also by secondary characters. And, mm. and I just wanted to know from your perspective, like sort of what you thought it would be and then what it was like, did you get the hype? Yeah. So all I really knew, besides the fact that it's like a classic and like Meg Ryan, Billy Crystal, besides that, I knew that my mom is like can be at times a very particular orderer and my dad will be at restaurants and call her Sally. And so like that, that was like, I feel so fucking old. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That was like what I knew going in. And then like the cat's deli scene, like that was what I had going in. Um, You knew knew I'll have what she's having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I knew going in. Did you know that Carrie Fisher was in the film? I think I maybe did, but I did not know how in it she is and just like how exceptional she is and how good the hair and the fashion is. I loved it. She's such a good part. This puts me in like an age bracket that is identifiable. But like for me, when I first saw the film, I was like, oh, they got Princess Leia. Like, how did they pull it off? Right. Yeah. yeah, And then, of course, like as I got a little bit older, I read everything she ever wrote and started learning more about all the things she wrote that we didn't know she wrote. And her delivering that someone else could be married to your husband um, monologue about, you know, sort of the Rolodex. And we got to pull out the Rolodex after a breakup and and how how beautiful it is when that character falls in love mm. and gets to be in the relationship that is actually to me quite enviable. And the fact that we've lost both of those actors, right They're, um They both died young. Um, it was, you know, now when I see that movie, that, that romance is actually in some ways a primary, very special romance to me of two people, two people who escape dinner because they like each other more than the people they're trying to set up. Can I tell you my absolute favorite moment from the whole movie Yes. Because it's both of those characters. It's when they're in bed together and Carrie Fisher turns to him and says, like, oh God, I don't want to butcher the line, but it's like, promise oh, me I'll never have to be out promise there again. Me ne- yes, you're not butchering the line. Says, I mean- I promise you, you'll never have to be out there again. Okay, I feel like when we talk about this, you have to know the context in which I watched this movie, which was on a Delta flight back from a podcasting conference. Um, And I was like very dehydrated and very tired. And that line came on and I burst into tears (laughs) on this Delta flight. (laughs) I want you to know that that line, I think for people who saw it as adults and in real time, that line was in some ways, as iconic as I'll have what she's having. Oh my it might God. not be quoted as much, but anyone who's who's ever dated and seen that movie will that uh, promise me I'll never have to do this oh. again. And it's like, promise me I'll never have to be out there again. And it's that, that's what I'm saying, that that love story um, that, you know, it just always made me so hopeful. I mean, one thing I truly despise about the film and feel bad about is that in my column, you know, where people write questions and I'll give an answer, old school advice style, and commenters will comment on it. A lot of the commenters will still say men and women can't be friends. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, of course, they're talking about straight men and women, and they're also yeah. wrong. They're also wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think that many people my age would, when we were younger, and certainly people my parents' age would say like, oh, well, men and women can't be friends, right? Which yeah. is a theme of the movie. And I wondered how that hit for someone your age watching it for the first time. Yeah, no, that was like, 
I mean, I so I have like a pros and cons list on my phone that I took when I was watching oh, this. And please tell me. Yeah, I want to know every part yeah, of that list. So here it is. And it says con. I mean, we could get into lots of like, there's not one big con. There's lots of cons. Like there are no people of color in this movie. It is very oh. heteronormative. Like this so, is a, this is a, a friends style movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all of that huge con. But the other con I have written down simply says the misogyny, comma, obviously. Um, And then it says dot, 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 men can't be friends with women because they always want to have sex with them. Like everything he says in like the first two thirds of the movie about women and really the whole movie is just like the worst. It's the worst. So the movie comes out in 1989. This is a very big year for my understanding of my own probable heterosexuality at the time. Batman with Michael Keaton comes out. And I was like, oh, I like him. Right. So suddenly I start to sexual awakening. Listen, I was learning and paying attention to how men and women dealt with each other, which was didn't have many great examples at that point. Yeah. The fact that this movie is framed and sort of dotted with these very funny uh, vignettes of couples. Very nor effort. Some some couples with the most beautiful stories. Others depressed me greatly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think one of them I remember, he's basically just like, then his second wife, then his third wife. And yeah. he's just sort of and like, she's this like woman. reminding him of their names. <laughs> yes. And, and, and these women are interchangeable. And it's very funny as a punchline. But even at that age, I was like, why does anybody want to do this? Mm-hmm. And, and what is so weird about it is that you get to the end spoiler for i mean I think a lot of people have seen it but i will say that we do get to see harry and sally as one of these couples and you get the sense like are all these people are the are, are we to romanticize this and say these are all wonderful couples or are some people just settling with the person who puts up with them and what is the difference oh my god i think about that all the time just in like a very general sense i am at like yeah. a point in my life where i'm thinking about that all the time but uh, everything you're saying about being like like kind of like the macro issue in this movie which is that like it's like guy talks poorly about women all the time and then like ends up with like the female protagonist that like when I was watching those movies that I was watching when I was like a preteen and teen that we talked about like that is like the exact same plot device like we're still using that or at least we were using that you know like 15 years ago as a plot device and I was like oh that's what love is the guy you're supposed to end up with is that guy you know like we were still being told that and that I know these are films about romance so fundamentally people are supposed to narratively couple up you know by the end but one of the things i love about ensemble many character movies is that it gives them room to let some characters remain single and mm. thrill and thrilled about it um oh i've never know, thought what, about that i love that one of the things i love about four weddings and a funeral and maybe that's another one you haven't seen but there is a character that winds up coupled in sort of a funny montage, um, but not in the way you'd think, right? Not everybody winds up together. So I think with a movie like this one, you know, it's clear that the end game is the end game. And, right. um, but it's also one of the reasons, if we're talking about Nora Ephron, why I so appreciate Sleepless in Seattle, even though it is about magic and you just know when you touch someone and, and 
this sort of love at first sight vibes type of language that is lovely and romantic, but also like really hard to capture and doesn't always lead us to the right places. Yeah. But we we get to see them single, basically, or on their way to being single, in Meg Ryan's case, the whole movie. You see Tom Hanks as a widower, building a life, living a life, thinking about what he needs. And we actually don't get much of a movie with him with Meg Ryan. Like, that's when the movie ends. That's true. I did. I don't know if you feel this way, but I in any movie where there's, like, an alleged female journalist, I'm like, I want to see her work. <laughs> why is she never right. working? <laughs> right. And why why does she have the budget to just fly to Seattle <laughs> yeah. to do a story about a story about some dude? Oh, my God. The expense accounts for journalists in these films, mm. even 27 Dresses, he can just do whatever he wants. Yeah, he could just do whatever he wants. So, no, it, it is true. I did another, my, like, number one thing on the my pros list on this iPhone notes app note I have is just Sally's deep dedication to her female friendships. I really, I, like, love her friendship with Carrie Fisher. And even, like, at the beginning, like, our whole opening scene is she's driving Harry back from college. She will not cross any lines because he is the boyfriend of one of her friends. And... I did. I always love seeing female friendships depicted on screen. That friendship is great. The Obviously, the outerwear and sweaters are spectacular. Ugh. It is beautiful New fall York scenery. in the fall, yeah. Um, and I will tell you, the other day I was in Vermont and stopped somewhere, and what I saw at the front of an antiques place was a wagon wheel table. <laughs> and I paused and thought about the mentioning of a wagon wheel table. I mean, the, the way... Uh, Sally dropping letters into a mailbox and then watching to make sure they get down the mailbox is oh the most rela- relatable content. Say, like, did you see yourself in that? Oh my god, I I I think so many people saw themselves in all of the small things she she does and the way Nora Ephron beautifully writes someone who overthinks a lot of things. Yeah. And I always also think about when I was getting picking out my kitchen tile. I always think about that scene where she's like, we have this beautiful tile, but we don't have, but we don't have sex on it. And who would? It is like, so that is the thing I think I most did not expect is this is it like a hilarious movie. It's like the writing is just hilarious. Hilarious. This is a good segment. Does it hold up for Caitlin? (laughs) The answer for this does it hold up for Caitlin is yes. When Harry met Sally holds up for me. I cried on a Delta flight watching this movie, and that says something. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrop and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith and Maddie Mortel do our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. If you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. And of course, keep your eye out for new full-length episodes of Love Letters. Season 7 is underway, and we've got a ton of great stories about big changes. You can always send us a letter, we are an advice column, to loveletters at boston.com. We're online at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.